My name is Amadeo. My name is Enrique. This is the Be Somebody podcast, episode three. three. Yeah, episode three. Episode three. Officially, today is Sunday, September 8th, 2019. Your birthday's in two days. Yeah. You'll be 22 is. years old. Yeah, it's all downhill from here on out. Dude, I think it's been on. It's not like that. But like, why do you, yeah. why do you say that? No, it's just like, you know how people say like, once you turn 21, there's like nothing to look forward to. Well, it's, yeah. Yeah. So that, like you're just yeah, kind of yeah. just like stuck in the twenties, but I mean, yeah, I, I mean, early twenties, this is like the time, you know, this is, this well, is like what? what you got 10, 10 years to live it up. Well, you got your entire life to live it up, but 10 years mm-hmm. in between 20 and 30. Yeah. You can do a whole lot. Like yeah. I mentioned in the very first episode, I mean, the, introdu- the introductory episode. Uh, yeah. The decade between 20 and 30. So a lot can happen. It's a good time to establish very strong foundations for the rest of your life. Exactly. In every aspect of your life. I feel, I feel like in the past, like since you're probably 15, everything's been building up to this moment. You know what I mean? In the aspect, like. Everything's building up to you to become an adult and go into the real world. Building up in terms of the job market. Okay, building up to be an adult or building up building up to be twenty one. I would say building up (laughs) to be an adult. (laughs) Like you know, like people say, you know, like do good in school, so you can go to college and get a good job. Like this is where all that comes into play, and all that happens, all the build up comes. This is where it all comes into play. Mm -hmm. Hmm. So how was your week? <laughs> no, but let, no, 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 no. Let's not talk about that. Just yet. I want to go back to what you kind of said about building up since the age of fifteen, dude. At fifteen, I wasn't. Dude, that was I wasn't, at Wendy's. I wasn't 15. tossing and turning at night, thinking about what my life is going to be like when I'm twenty-one years old today. I didn't think I would be in the position that I am today when I was fifteen. Mm-hmm. Um. I mean, yeah, at 15, we were just going to school. You were working at Wendy's. You got your first job. I, would, I, I mean, was dabbling in graphic design and yeah. entrepreneurship. <laughs> I would say, like, at 15, dude, I, pursuits. I think I was the opposite. I took thought a lot of where I wanted to be. Yeah. Because that was the first time I started working, like, a shitty job where I was like, I don't want to do this for the rest of my life. Like, this this sucks. Because at 15, when I started at Wendy's, I, I worked the front. So, I, like, I would literally clean toilets, mm-hmm. you know, clean tabletops, take orders at, at, at the Wendy's, fast food chain Wendy's. Yeah. And once you work fast food, you know how like shitty people are. And you're just like, nah, yeah. this is, I don't want to do this. People are picky about cheap food. They're mm. aggressive. They're arrogant. They're pretentious. They're yeah. stuck up. They're entitled. They're, the list goes on. Yeah. <laughs> and like, there was, like, and just, I don't have the energy yeah. nor... It's it's just not a great good good thing. Ugh, it's not a good thing to talk about. I think jobs are is a good thing to talk about. Jobs are this, a great thing to talk about episode. because you can take a lot in the topics of personal growth and the development of responsibility and yeah, essential traits for the functioning adult. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Well, like yeah, when you work a shitty job. Mm-hmm. At the age of 15 or whatever age it is. And I think it's good to realize that early on, that there's so much more to what you can do, your potential. Mm, maybe that's not the right way to go about it, the way that I'm saying it. But yeah, I never had that experience when I was, yeah. In fact, I didn't get my first job until I was an RA and I was 19. 
Because I mean, Damn, I, I, mean yeah. I would help my dad out uh-huh. sometimes, but I was never on payroll. Nor did I ever feel like I needed to get a job, nor did my family ever make me feel like I needed to get a job. Mm-hmm. I was kind of cushioned in that way. I mean, sure, like, maybe if I had an argument with my parents, I'd be like, get a damn job. But, like, <laughs> it was never taken to the extreme. And nor I never felt the need yeah, yeah. to make my own money in high school. All mm-hmm. I really wanted to do was kind of just, like, fuck off with my friends or focus in school. Even though I didn't really <laughs> focus on do the best job of the latter. Yeah. But, yeah, talk about that. About your first day of work when you were 15. Even My like, first day well, How long work. did you work at Wendy's? I worked there for two years, man. Two years? Yeah. So from 15 to 17? Yeah, I worked two years and then at Red Lobster worked for a year and a half. And then and then I transitioned to my university jobs. Mm-hmm. And then I had a different job every single year of every, of, yeah, of every of academic year. Dude, I've had a lot of jobs now that I think about it. <laughs> yeah. Out here be grinding. <laughs> <laughs> Rising ground. No, dude, it's just like <laughs> I feel like it's been part a part of something I do for so long that I'm just like so used to it. It feels weird if I'm not working. Like when I um when was it? I think when I when was it? I think when I got back from Spain, I was like, no, actually no, I got back when what there was a period of my life where I didn't have a job. It was like a month and I felt like so like yeah, what do was, I do? That was this year when you got back from Spain and it was No like no, I started between. I started my current job right now when I got back. How soon after you got back did you start? Like position? I went in like the third day after I got back from Spain. Oh. Yeah, but I think it was before I left. Yeah, before I left to Spain that January because I quit my job in December because it was a school job, and so the semester ended in mid December. So and I didn't leave to Spain until the end of January. So from mid December towards so, the end of January, I didn't have a job, and then all of y'all started school because the United States academic year starts earlier. And um, all of you all started school, and I was just kind of at home, just waiting to leave to Spain. Well, specifically, specifically here in New Mexico, at the University of New Mexico, it started in late January, mm-hmm. right? No, I think it was like mid January because we didn't start till it was the eighth. Was it the, the very end of January? It was between the eighteenth and the twenty second. I don't remember the exact date. Yeah, something. I don't really that. care to check. Yeah, but it was around that. <laughs> we'll say that. Yeah, and it was just, I don't know, it just felt weird not having a job. Why did it feel weird? Because you were so used to working. Yeah, for so dude, I've been long. working since I was fifteen. Did you feel like did you feel like a rock in the way that you weren't really doing anything, you were kinda of stable? I would say I would say that. But I would say sedentary. towards the end of it is when I was like, Alright, this is getting ridiculous, I'm gonna start doing something productive. And that's okay. when I started watching a lot of the movies. Okay. Right before I left. And I think that momentum carried when I was in Spain. That I would like try to watch as many movies as I can. So people might think it's funny to say like, yeah, I'm just gonna be so productive and then just watch a bunch of movies. <laughs> but the thing is, yeah, well, context for someone's listening to this episode, I'm a film major. So. Yes, he's a film major. Yeah. He's a, he's a film student. Oh my he, god, <laughs> I wear the, the fedora. He likes the camera. He likes production. He likes. Oh yeah, the fedora. I don't think it's the fedora. Isn't the fedora that they wear? No, they, what is it called? They definitely don't wear a fedora, <laughs> my lady. No, it's like the the French. How they wear like the, you know, the mise en scène. You know, mise like en, you know, like the scène. film joke. Mise en scène. Right, no, it's that's not, not a fedora. That's a that's a beret. Oh, okay, right? A beret. I don't know. <laughs> well, it's like the cut. Of, it looks like it's a, like the tilted. I have one in my closet. I'd ask you to put it on, but I want you to. Go. <laughs> We're sitting on the floor, by the way. A humble, humble setup. I feel like I should go put it on right now. Just do the rest of the episode with with, <laughs> with a beret on. I really don't want you to do that. It's going <laughs> to distract the hell out of me. But 
Yeah, I didn't have my first job until we were resident advisors together. Dude, and I remember you were so nervous to get that job, and you would come to my room, and we would just talk over, and I'd be like, all right, she's going to ask you this question. You respond like this. You remember? For my, for my interview process? Yeah, I remember. Yeah, that's right. And Ricky really helped me with my interview. I, th- Yeah. I credit you when it comes to me getting the job. Not Be a, somebody. <laughs> not you entirely. Obviously, I had to execute no, yeah, the yeah, interview yeah. and yeah. <laughs> discuss with the managers. But uh-huh. I mean, you really helped me out. Talk me through it because you had... Dude, already- I helped everyone. Dude, I helped Chris get his first job. I helped Christian apply for his job. I helped you. Well, Chris and Christian are our other homies. Shout out to Chris and Christian. Um, and I helped you. Yeah, you're just, just helping the boys come up, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's right. Well, because... I don't. Th- it's nerve wracking. I, mean, I remember my first job, like my first interview. No, it's it's definitely a skill you have to get. Like, yeah. I feel like now I'm a really good interviewer, interviewee, and um, I wasn't before. And it took a lot of practice to get good at it. Yeah, to be able to interview well mm-hmm. is a skill. But I feel indeed. like I, I I agree with that mindset that a lot of people say that I don't think an interview is a good. A well way to see if someone's prepared for this job. I think it's um, it's an acceptable way to gauge someone's personality. Um, but indeed, yeah, I don't, I don't like first impressions. Yeah. In that, in that particular situation, because like for an interview, you start to pressure yourself. It's like, what if I say the wrong thing? What if they ask me a question that I kind of have to think about for a while, and I feel like an idiot sitting there at the table. Mm-hmm. And to me, it goes back to taking it very easy on yourself. Just, I don't know, like people always say that, just breathe, bro. Just breathe, bro. <laughs> breathe a little bit. Yeah. Take some deep breaths, but truly think about who you are as a professional, as a person. You've done your research. You're interested in this position. You've looked into the work environment to the company culture to into the position that you're applying for that I hope you're qualified for because if you are then you can think about that and you can be secure with yourself and knowing like you know what I have experience in this I'm good at what I do I'm going to walk into that interview room I'm going to sit down I'm going to shake people's hands I'm going to talk about myself but I'm not going to make it rigid I'm not going to be robotic I'm not going to be by the numbers I'm not going to follow a little script that I read online like you should answer this question in this way because the hiring managers like it when you answer it this way Mm -hmm. just be yourself because companies want to know what you are like to work with yes the experience matters your qualifications matter but no one wants to introduce a toxic work environment into their establishment or a toxic person into their establishment to make it a toxic work environment you know what i mean yeah so it is hard for a lot of people. And listening to this, you're not just going to like snap out of your anxiety for the interview process or for public speaking or for having to say some things about yourself professionally, personally, etc. But knowing that, you know, thinking over and over again until you truly start to believe it, that you've got it. You've got it down. You're gold. You're good. This is what you're applying for. You're all right. And so 
I try to take that positivity with me. Try to laugh a little bit, smile a little bit, ask questions too. Because an interview shouldn't just be, you know, them talking to you and then you answering a bunch of questions and then getting up, shaking hands again, leaving the room and never getting a phone call. An interview should be a conversation. Just like they're trying to find out about you, you should be finding out more about them. What's your favorite part about working here? What do you like about your job? If you could change anything in the office today, what would that be? Perhaps that's an interesting question to ask. I don't know. Interesting in the way that's kind of funny. <laughs> but it's just like, yeah, I mean, that's that's why I really don't like when people like place so much importance on first impressions. Because it's so nuanced, the way that I feel on a given day. I mean, like, yeah, there's the baseline of like, you know, I could be, I could have gained so much more confidence, like I mentioned in the previous episode, like I feel so much more confident today than I did even three years ago, even a year ago. But, you know, maybe something could have happened to kind of knock me out of my moment. I feel a little down, I feel a little insecure, whatever it might be. But... I think just being compassionate and having empathy for the people around you when you're conversing with them, meeting them for the first time, try to like look at their body language or how they're kind of talking to you, how they're kind of acting around you. Are they nervous? Are they confident? And I feel like body language is such a hard thing too. Cause I feel like it's not, it wasn't until recently that I started really paying attention about to, to body language. Mm -hmm. Cause that definitely was not something. Body language is so powerful, bro. It is. But like, it's hard to like really learn it and know like how to observe it and even use it. Because even, bo well, body language as well is also exceedingly nuanced. Mm -hmm. So people's micro expressions, you know, you know, sometimes I raise my eyebrows when mm -hmm. I talk, when I like say something kind of, I don't know what I think is a little silly. Like even me just doing this, <laughs> like, like, what does that mean? Yeah. You got to think about what those kind of things mean. Like mm -hmm. if someone, do they have their hands in their pockets or they kind of, Shaking mm -hmm. back and forth. Are they looking around a little quickly? Are they making good eye contact? Are they smiling? Are they, you know, like maybe moving their hair back? Like, you know what I mean? Just like yeah. you can learn so much more about somebody or even get mm -hmm. such like remarkable insight into a conversation. It's true, yeah. When you pay attention to how true. somebody like moves, mm -hmm. even just a little bit. And yeah, that's given me cues like I've never picked on before. So like, Pay attention to that the next time you have a conversation. Also, like, it could reveal little things like is someone lying to you or is someone kind of hiding the truth? Yeah. When someone starts to, like, be a little still or if they refuse to show you their mm -hmm. hands, kind of, I've noticed this. Like, I think one of the biggest things is, like, when someone's saying and they're like, yeah, and they, like, they, like, yeah, it's like, yeah, 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 yeah. It's like, you know, they're a little nervous. Yeah. yeah. Like, they wanna, or, like, they look, they look a certain direction. Yeah. They don't want to look I think I do that when I get nervous. I'm just like, yeah, and I start, like, trying to yeah, cover up my like, face. Yeah, you start, like, scratching something. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. I do that all the time. Yeah. I notice that. When I pick up my own body language. Like, when I'm talking to someone, I get kind of nervous or, like, I'm in a serious, like, meeting or something. I do this really, this thing where I, I go like this and I cross my arms. Mm-hmm. Just because I don't know why I do. I feel like... Well, it's because you get a little defensive, don't yeah, you? Yeah, I think I get defensive and, like, nervous also. Yeah. And I'm just like... But then I'm like, no, I shouldn't do that. And then I'm like, what do I do with my hands? Exactly, because like, then you start thinking about, like, no, I shouldn't be closed in. Yeah, I should be yeah, open. Exactly. But then you just get awkward about being exactly. open. Exactly. You got to let it be natural. And learning that is what's the... That's the hard part. Yeah. That's the hard part. Understanding body language is uh -huh. half the battle. 
knowing to how, how to use it, it how to use it, half. how to turn it into turn it turn into your favor. Yeah, yeah, it's a tool. Learn how to use it properly, because you know? mm-hmm. all tools are useless if you don't know how to use them. <laughs> <laughs> That's a little like, <laughs> two plus two is four, bro. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, I don't know, but yeah, I mean, I like that. I I get so excited about interacting with people now because I'm learning all these little things mm-hmm. that I like can't wait to experiment with or to like yeah observe mm-hmm. in my next interaction. Dude, now now we're really thinking about a body body language. I feel like you have very certain like body language stuff that you do that I've noticed. Everyone does. I feel like wait, what Everyone are mine? I just, I'm curious to know what are mine. Well, you like to you like to kind of like go like that, you know? You're like you're like yeah, like I do that a lot. I'm like, <laughs> like yeah, I'm we're like, doing this. Like when you get excited, uh-huh. or what else do you? What's what's something bad that you think I should stop doing? Well, in terms of your, yeah, probably this. Yeah, yeah. I like do if, you're a in lot. A, if you're in, a, yeah, I would say that. Like if you're in a meeting or if like if you get kind of nervous, definitely mm-hmm. don't try to. Establish some sort of like false pretense, like yeah. oh, like, like oh, fucking. Oh no! Now you're making you're making. It's just more well, like just don't a, get just don't make it just don't get to that point, like, you know. But don't do that. Just like use your expressions, your mm-hmm. gestures. Like this is what's happening. This is how I feel. This is how you should feel. Tell me how you feel if that conflicts with what's going on. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> but oh, shit. yeah, I mean, like on the topic, of, like what do I do? I would say you get, I, I don't know, I don't want to say it actually, in the, I don't know if I should say it in the podcast. But I get nervous? I would say when you're nervous or when you're around new people, you're like very like, <laughs> like, I don't know, I don't know how to explain it. You get kind of, I, I can tell you get kind of nervous and kind of like stiffed up and you're just like, yeah, like you get very reserved. Why did you say that you shouldn't mention that? I mean, I don't know, I don't know if that's something you want to put out there. <laughs> well, that's exactly what I want to put out there. That's okay, the whole point. Yeah, it's like reserved. we talk about like where we're kind of mm-hmm. slipping a bit. And then we talk about it, and then we improve. That's true. That's the whole po- It's a positive movement. Actually, I would say whenever you do public speaking, you get very... <laughs> yeah. Well, well I mean, you, get, you get very... <laughs> like, your whole voice like changes listen. like an octagon. You just listen. go... An octagon? An octave? Is that what it's called? An octave. I thought it's called an octagon. <laughs> an octave, right? An octave. It's an octave. Go, it's an octave. Yeah. Our mission statement is to preserve, cultivate. <laughs> you get very like introspective, and we're all just like, "Word." Sometimes I do that ironically because I think it's kind of funny. I mean, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. I get tell when you do it ironically. Other times, but I think it's good. Though, I, I, am, I am trying to improve my public speaking. No, I think I think that's fine. I think you should keep doing that because the moment you do that, everyone in the room looks and is like, "Wow, this guy knows what he's doing." I mean, not if they think like, "Oh, look at this dude like trying to." stiffen up and nah like, i would say i mean I you like, probably pick up on that because you know me so well i would say yeah that's true i would say you i feel like you should rather be like the most confident guy in the room than like very nervous and like don't know what you're saying but also if you think too hard about being the most confident guy well, i'm room, not saying that i'm just saying like you know i feel like you should stay that instead of being that could be like going against being the brain, that nervous you know? and of public speaking yeah yeah i've been trying to to better understand that 
overwhelming fear of public speaking for so many people because someone very close to me is just harder because you you put yourself extremely out there. afraid of public speaking i think they just um you're like literally putting yourself out there in front of so many people to hear your thoughts yeah because like imagine if we were doing this podcast in front of an audience of ten thousand. I think I could do it, honestly. I could probably do it, too. I feel like within the first two minutes, I would get nervous. And then once I start talking more, then I'm like, once I crack a few jokes and get the people laughing, then I'll feel fine. (laughs) You'll feel all right. But I mean, like, think about it. If we were in a stadium with over 10,000 people. Uh, 10,000 people is a lot of people. It is a lot of people. It probably wouldn't be that many in the first place. But like, maybe, okay, let's say 1,000. 1,000 to 2,000 people. They all pay to see us. They all want to hear what we have to say. Whether that be to criticize us or to, yeah. I think it would be very different. It's like criticize where like they have, have a microphone claim. too and they could come up. Like that's more that would be nerve wracking. Wait, wait, I what, would be like wait, this. Say, wait, repeat that. If if it was uh, they were criticizing us, like if they had the microphone, you know how people come oh, up like and like, they were asking questions and they were yeah, trying to say yeah. something and then like I feel like that would be way more nerve wracking. Yeah, I would probably be like this the whole time, <laughs> my arms crossed, just like yeah, yeah. Perhaps. I feel like it's different. When you when it's like more of a discussion debate, that's different than just straight up public speaking. Because yeah, I I feel like I couldn't be able to debate anybody because like I'd get a little bit nervous and I'd like forget the facts that I already know. Yeah. And all of a sudden they'd be slapping all these facts on me, or maybe not facts, but mm-hmm. just a bunch of points that they're trying to make. And since they keep rambling them off and then I'm like kind of stumbling over what I know is right, I can just come off as like having lost a debate. Even if I know yeah. I'm ethically right, morally right, factually correct. But I'm not one for debate. I'm not. I've never been like that. I was never in a debate club. I don't like to, you know, like when you see those yeah. preachers on campus and like they're talking all sorts of bullshit. But mm-hmm. what's the, I'm not going to stand there and waste what, my what time about- and. What about, I mean, yeah. Talk to someone who's not going like, to listen to what I, I have like to say. I feel like you've seen me, like, not debate people, but, like, argue with people. Oh, yeah. And I feel like I, I don't like doing it, but I feel like, and most of the times I'm like, I'm not going to do this. But sometimes I'm just like, no, nah, like, I got to take a stand. Like, remember that one time we were at that friend's, like. Yes, yeah, so, so we went to, yeah, I was about to bring that up. <laughs> like, that was a time when, like, I was like, I should just stop. And I'm like, nah, this person's very ignorant. But then that there's a difference there where someone that's very ignorant and has um prejudice that you just like it gets under your skin where you're like you're wrong and you want to show them that you're wrong but they're so ignorant and prejudiced that they won't see that they're ever wrong yeah they refuse to accept that they're wrong and in fact they're going to be i think they're going to be fueled by your anger by your annoyance by the reaction that you give them like you're so fucking dumb i don't want to say things like that on this podcast but you know, just, they want like, you to say, like, they'll hear that and be like, oh, yeah? Oh, yeah? Mm-hmm. I don't know. Ugh, I don't like that. I don't like that one bit. Yeah. But the thing is, why expend your energy? Mm-hmm. I feel like for me, it's more like, it's not like, oh, I'm defending my pride, but it's more like they're speaking down on, like, people. And it's like, yeah. no, like, you don't get to do that. Well, you like, feel, yeah, you feel like you got to stand up in defense of yourself, in defense of your friends, your family. Mm-hmm. Um, when someone's like talking shit, being ignorant, being prejudiced, being oddly judgmental for no good reason. Is there ever a good reason to be judgmental? Maybe. 
I mean, I would, say, I would say no. within, I mean, we were kind of judgmental right now, but that's like more friends, like critique what we were just talking about our own body languages. That's not really that's judgmental. Not just, that's, that's not judgmental. Like that's just like making a simple observations and kind of talking about them in a constructive manner. That's mm-hmm. what's positive. That's what we can take from and be able to develop ourselves. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, when someone's being destructive, when they're being negative, when all they're trying to do is project their own insecurities onto you and bring you down to make themselves feel better. That's that's bunk. That's what's not what's worth your time. That is what is not worth your time, not worth your effort, not worth the energy, not worth the breath that you <laughs> like spend <laughs> to talk to them. It's not what the fuck that. Hell no. Yeah. Get out of my face. I don't yeah. want to talk to you because I don't see the need. Mm-hmm. There's nothing that's going to come out of this conversation because you refuse to let anything come out of that conversation. And I don't want to waste my time mm-hmm. because the only time that I should be spending or the only time that I should be wasting, that's, well, that's a stupid way to say it, but just like, I just want to be positive. I want to take things um, that are good for me. Yeah. You know what I mean? So, yeah, like my time here is limited. To bring that up, I could die tomorrow, I could die in 80 years. Mm-hmm. I want to live that time being kind, being positive, being constructive, and interacting with people who see things the same way, who want to be empathetic, who want to be compassionate, who want to show sympathy for people and for things and for something bigger than themselves. And be somebody is kind of an effort to emphasize that in my own life and maybe introduce it to yours, the listener, or to yours, Enrique. <laughs> but I feel like you and I are more on the same level, similar level. Um, yeah, promote a network of enthusiasm is what is something that we say in our mission statement. So that network of enthusiasm, I'm excited about what you've got going on. You're excited about why, by what I've got going on. If we talk to people, if we have guests, like I want to hear all about your story. I want to hear all about what you've got going on for yourself. So tell me how that makes you feel good and how you want to change the world or change your own life. That's what a network of enthusiasm means to me. And so by listening to people who just want to like live the best lives that they can and just feeding off of that energy, like we can, that's the whole point, like impact the lives of those in our communities and of those we hold close. Amen. <laughs> yeah. What do you think? I mean, yeah, I know I you already agree with all yeah. that because like, that's what we kind of came up with together. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So how was your week? <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. Um, well, I mean, I don't know what to say. You basically just went over everything. Our remission statement. Yeah, I agree. I concur. You concur? Right. He concurs. My week. I've had a bit of a rough weekend. I have. 
And it was an ugly weekend. I mean, it's still Sunday. At certain times. It is still Sunday, but it's a good Sunday. Mm-hmm. You know, it's currently 10 o'clock in the morning. Just got some coffee. I've got caffeine in my system. Not that I need it, but, you know, I'm up. Yeah. And, well, just over the weekend, I had quite an intense argument with someone I care the world for. And that really brought me down for a bit of time. It was resolved rather quickly, but it's just like, you know, when that happens, it's just, it's, it's so hard to feel positive, even though I work so work so hard to want to feel that all the time. But let's be realistic. Like, you can't always feel positive. You can't always feel optimistic. You can't always feel motivated. You can't always feel passionate. There are just going to be times when you're going to be kind of knocked down and you're on the floor or yeah. you're just... You don't see the point. Mm-hmm. And I've felt that way many a time. It's like, <laughs> like, what's the fucking point? Yeah. We can delve deeper into that question, but I don't really want to. There are plenty of points. Do it for yourself. If not for yourself, do it for someone that you care for. Or something that you care for. Mm-hmm. But I hope that you do it for yourself and not in the selfish way. It's good to be selfish with um, taking care of yourself, being good to yourself, knowing your boundaries and keeping those boundaries and being healthy. That's when I think it's good to be selfish, but always wanting things your way or making sure that you're perpetually accommodated at the expense of other people. No. I don't like that. Um, <laughs> gosh, like, I, I just, like, go off on little, little, uh, not necessarily tangents, because that would be irrelevant, but I just, like, say things, and then I get so absorbed. Can, can we talk about that word? Uh, we, I was talking about this this argument where, like, the word irrelevant. Irrelevant. That just like popped that. Um, well, that okay. So irrelevant. And Enrique has been recently bothered by people saying, oh, this person is irrelevant or this thing is irrelevant. Mm-hmm. Irrelevant in the context that. Or, or someone saying, yeah, I've peaked. And I'm just like, nah. Like, oh. I hate you. Like, <laughs> who said that? You don't have to say their name. No, but right. I, I don't want to say their name. No, that's kind of a rhetorical question. Like, yeah, who's, yeah. Who, why would you say that? Who's saying that? Mm-hmm. That's That seems like self-deprecating to me and not in the way that's attempting to be humorous at all. I've peaked. The fuck? <laughs> I feel like everyone has the potential of just like... No, there's no such thing as the peak, dude. The peak is like... There is no peak. When you close your eyes for the last time, like that's it. Because you're not going to send any higher. You oh, can damn, leave your... <laughs> real no, no, you're not going to send any higher because you're no longer alive. But uh-huh. your legacy can obviously continues. Mm-hmm. And hopefully it's one that's long lasting and that's left. The, that's what I'm trying to do here. Yeah. So like even after I've died, that might hopefully that's a very long time from now. But I've, I've not peaked. No, I'm still working. I'm still trying to fulfill my potential. 
because I see that it exists. I know that it exists. I refuse to let anyone tell me otherwise. I want to do amazing things. And I've done amazing things. Personally amazing things. That make me feel good about my life. So how do they mean when they say that they've peaked? I think someone just saying that they've peaked. Just using the, the term. But what does that mean? Irrelevant and peak. That like they're not going to do. I mean, I'm assuming they're meaning that they're like. I don't know. I mean, I guess they're. I feel like that goes down the question of what what they consider that, whether it's their success or their like confidence or their quote unquote happiness. Um, and these are people our age saying these things. Yeah, I've heard it mold from multiple people. Multiple people around my friend friend group, for people I know that have used the term irrelevant and peaked. And like I'm like, nah, like I don't see why like, you see the language, but like fuck that. Like we're no, like probably I'm, we're not even like a fourth through our life. Like well, I mean we would never know we're gonna die, but you know, we're so young, like Well, I mean given average life expectancy and <laughs> what do you say that? what is it right now? Like like eighty, seventy? I think the world I mean I could look it up, but do I really want to tell you? Know I think I mean, the, the global the global average I think is like between at least in the United States it's like seventy three, mm. seventy four, seventy five, something in that range. So I mean It's really like a third, man. A little less than a third way through That's crazy. Average life expectancy. But yeah. I mean people live for so much longer than that. Mm-hmm. Or less than that. Or less than that. You never know. I like to believe it the other way around longer. Um. <laughs> but yeah, man, like I feel like you shouldn't just say that put you yourself in the box. Just, no, don't put yourself in a box. Yeah. Don't set that benchmark for yourself or like that ceiling for yourself. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, I guess that goes back to like putting yourself in a box. The thing is like, why, the, what's the point of saying something like that? Yeah. That's what kind of sets a negative Yeah, it sets a negative for your own life. Because then you like think about that. You plant that seed in your head. It's going to sprout into some poison ivy. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like you've always got like a strangle on your own mentality because you think that you've peaked whatever that means. Like what are they? I don't, I'm trying to understand what they mean by that. Like give me a little bit more context. Like are they, do they not think they could do anything more with their lives? Are they? I mean, yeah, like I said, what I feel does like that mean just, though? Like I can't get any funnier. I can't get any more. I can't be any more successful. I can't be more. What does that mean though? I think, it, what, <laughs> I think it just means that they feel like they've reached the like highest. I can't, of get, their, I can't get any better. Their like, happiness, success or whatever that now is just kind of like going to either stay the same or just kind of go down if anything. Hmm. But I mean, like I said, I don't think you should be ever think that way no you shouldn't ever think that way because i mean i feel like if you if you have that mentality you're never gonna one have the moral energy or drive to push yourself to get even better if you're already off the bat being that i can't get much better you know it's it's, i mean i feel like it comes down to all like mentality yeah let's do uh, let's talk about what you just said for a second so thinking about like i can always be better Mm-hmm. I feel like that can tend to lead to perfectionism. Yes and no. I would I would say I very much have that mentality of I can do better. I can do more. 
And it's got me bad in bad places where, like, this year I would say I have a lot of things in my plate and it's, like, hard to juggle right now. Um, but I never think that, oh, I need to be perfect because I, I know that I'm never going to be perfect. But I, mean, but I know I can I'm always get like, better. Always thinking, like, oh, like, I can do this better. I can always do this better. I can always do this better. That can also kind of eat away at how you feel about the things that you do. Yeah. Ugh. I would say you have to be conscious. How do, how do of we idea. approach? How do we approach this positively? So like, like no, like, don't put yourself in a box. You don't can put yourself in a better. box. You can, you can be, be better. better. You can do things like, in a, whatever it is, just like improve some way somehow. Mm-hmm. But don't like think that you're in a shitty position already, and that you need to like always be climbing higher. Mm-hmm. If that makes sense. Yeah. Um, I guess I, I, this just goes back to like you know being good to yourself mm-hmm. it's like yeah like I feel good about this I'm gonna keep working I'm gonna be a little bit better mm-hmm. but you don't you know what I mean like you don't get blisters on your feet in the pursuit of perfection because you, you don't have to be perfect because perfect is perfection is unattainable mm-hmm. it doesn't exist it <laughs> that's been said time and time and time and time again but i feel it, like with that I, it, you need to realize that i feel like with that it comes into play also like playing onto your who you are your like everyone's a different individual in the aspect that no one's ever gonna reach a certain level because you're your own person and you're never gonna either a compare yourself to someone that's quote-unquote perfect or chase this idea that i have to be perfect because you're your own person I feel yeah. like that. I feel like that's what it comes down to me. Like that's why I, I don't think I'll ever reach "quote unquote" being perfect because I know I'm my own person. I, yeah. I'm my yeah. own. Well, that's definitely something that I want to embrace as an individual. How can I be that individual? Mm-hmm. Be unique. Be distinctive. Be one of a kind. Truly one of a kind. And but I feel like that's something that's a very rough. Really, like you have to be careful when you say. I want to because be I feel a lot of people put this idea that I need to be unique. I need to be unique. If I'm not unique, then I'm not special. <laughs> it's very much the yeah. there's a, you can always flip that. And I know a lot yeah. of people that are push themselves like I'm unique. And if they're not being unique, then they feel like they're not. Yeah, like this idea of being special. I feel like our generation is very much like everyone wants to be, you know, un- special. Like this idea that they're gonna, you know, succeed being themselves. And no one's like them that they're, like I said, unique. Well, I mean, that's the negative way to look at it. I mean, it's not that's the negative way. And there's a lot of people that think that way. It's the same aspect of people thinking that they need to chase per- this idea yeah, of being perfect. which is a negative way to look at it. Yeah, I guess. Negative, yeah. you could say, like, it might be too strong of a word to use mm-hmm. specifically. But, I mean, you can't, like, you can't hurt yourself by saying those kind of things, like, I need to be special. If I'm not special, I'm a waste. I'm nothing. I'm worthless. I might as well just like sleep in a dumpster mm-hmm. and have everyone forget about me. But I feel like all of that you comes can't... back comes back into play what we were talking about earlier of being ignorant and um, prejudiced. Because I feel these beliefs that you corely think, whether it's I'm special or whether it's 
the earth is flat or <laughs> climate change isn't real. These things that you push so heavily on other people and you believe so dearly become part of your personal, your personal image, like who you are, yeah. your personal belief. Yeah. And no one ever wants to be wrong as humans. Like no one ever wants to be wrong. So I feel like that's why that's how you get these people that are ignorant because they've identified themselves with these ideas and they just can't be wrong because that means they're they're wrong as a person and their whole idea of who they are yeah. is completely wrong. Yeah. That's why there's like, that's why I think there is all these, you know, leads back to like hate crimes and all these things where people embellish themselves so much in this idea that they can't be wrong and they're willing to fight for it. Yes. And that's when you have to have the self-confidence and courage I think take a step back and really examine who you are. Who you are. What are your beliefs? Where did you get those beliefs? Mm -hmm. What if someone told you that you were wrong? How would you react? I mean, most people, nine out of ten times would be like, no, I'm not wrong. You're wrong. Yeah. And that's that. I feel like that's what separates a lot of people where you have the ability to really examine who you are and, you know, accept someone's that accept that you're wrong. And I feel that's truly when you, quote unquote, like, grow as a person and whatnot. Yeah, that's what I was about to mention. It's good to admit that you're wrong. Mm -hmm. But a lot of people will never, ever they reach never that level. To. They never will. Maybe they will eventually. Mm -hmm. But they just feel nasty about it. The thing is, being wrong doesn't make you stupid. Doesn't make you completely ignorant. Doesn't make you a bad person. Mm-hmm. It's just you've received some information that's just not correct or yeah. something that's just not the right way to do it. Mm -hmm. Or, no, that might be a little too complicated, but that's how you truly learn from other people by listening to what they believe is correct or what they have been brought up to believe. Mm -hmm. Taking what you... But I feel like the, another aspect is not just listening, but understanding where this person comes from. Yeah. And taking into account why they think this way. Why they believe what they believe. What made them get to think these certain values or hold these standards on this topic. Yeah. And and then do the same thing with you. Well, yeah. Well, understanding is a two-way street. Mm -hmm. More than a two-way street. <laughs> it's a busy intersection. <laughs> but, yeah, man. I mean, that's how, that's how you have truly interesting and meaningful conversations by listening to other people's perspectives and understanding other people's perspectives and kind of bringing your own into it and making something new out of it. So like, mm -hmm. I don't know, let's say you're the color red and I'm the color, yeah, I'm the color green. Like we bring, we weave our perspectives together and then it becomes like a beautiful blanket, like a little scarf or something. <laughs> I don't know. Just like, you know what I mean, though. I mean, yeah. that's, a, that's a corny ass analogy, but yeah. just like, it's like to make it visual. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it, that's a stupid ass thing to say. I, I don't know. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. It's like I'm. I'm trying to be the most, just like well rounded, as well rounded as I can be. Mm -hmm. And I. I love to listen to others. 
and to take that into consideration with my own beliefs and my own values and my own ethics so that I can just take from all of that and just be so human, Mm -hmm. you know, to admit that I'm wrong, to admit that I fucked up, but also to stand up for what I know. Maybe that's a bit. Well, because like, what do I know is right? Yeah. And why do you think that's right? Mm-hmm. That goes back to your values. That goes back to what you've been brought up to believe. Like I mentioned earlier, that goes back to what you perceive to be moral, just, disciplined, fair, correct, right. And that could be intensely philosophical. And I don't know if I... <laughs> I'd probably want to save that conversation for like a special guest that can like kind of help us navigate that philosophical mm-hmm. landscape. Um, but yeah, man, like <laughs> just like take from people. No, don't take from people. Like absorb from others. I don't know. Yeah, I really really like. I really like what you said that you made a lot of insightful points. How do you How do you feel about when people say that you your like personality and beliefs, and I guess not identity. That's what we're wrong. I guess personality that you you're encompassed by the like your five closest people. Have you heard of? You are the average of the five closest of the five people you spend the most time around. Mm -hmm. Um. I think that we are certainly influenced by the people that we spend the most time with, mm-hmm. but to say that we're the average of everybody else, because like, think about other people too. So like, let's say we have our five closest friends. If I'm the average of us five, everyone else is the average of us five. So then that just like kind of bounces back. I feel like that becomes like a bit of a, uh, a paradox. There's like an endless loop of mm-hmm. the average of each other. You know what I mean? That doesn't really work for me. So I think that we take things from other people, especially the people that we spend the most time with. Like we kind of like incorporate their beliefs, but we also continue to hold our own. Mm -hmm. So like, let's say, I wouldn't say like I'm the average of the five closest people in my life. I am affected by the five closest people in my life but I am still my own person or I'm working to be my own person. I am, yeah, I'm embracing myself Mm -hmm. and others. But what do you think about that? I think when you've heard that before, I feel like I'm personally influenced by the, the closest people that are around me. Yeah. But I feel like I'm still hold, my own, you know, pres- you know, personality and my beliefs and whatnot. But I would say I am influenced by like yeah. the five closest people I spend the most time with. Well, it's, a, it's okay to say that there's nothing wrong mm-hmm. with that either. It's just, you need to know. But not influenced gonna, in the way like, yo, like do this drug. You well, know? That's what I'm saying. It's like, what yeah. is going to help you? What is constructive? What uh-huh. is going to make you a better person? What is yeah. going to make you feel happier, healthier, smarter? Mm-hmm. 
sexier. <laughs> Whatever. Because you know. I, I did, I feel like I really, like when I was abroad, I was six months apart from, you know, all of my friends here and family. And before I left, I like purposely, you know, you know how like you have like Snapchat streaks and stuff. Yeah. And it's just like, a, I mean, that's something else you can talk about in an episode, the whole idea that I think Snapchat streaks are stupid. And it's like this idea of... <laughs> I think they're stupid. It's the idea, like, let's keep this friendship going by sending each other a snap every morning. By sending each other just, like... Instead a, of being, like, hey, let's catch up, let's grab a cup, a cup of coffee, you know? Let's hang out. Let's indulge in, like, you know, conversation. Yeah. Opposed to, like, let me send you this digital picture of myself. And we have this streak going on online that means nothing. But, like, that means we're friends, you know? Like, anyways. It means nothing, but, like, also some people, like, get so hurt over yeah. losing. But that's what I'm saying. Like, someone, like, so many people hold such a standard to that. Holding this imaginative, like, quote-unquote friendship streak. Like, it doesn't mean anything, you know? Yeah, like, instead of sending each other some dummy pics, why don't we call each other every day? Why exactly. don't we? Mm-hmm. Like, Let's a lot of people I have Snapchat streaks with, like, I haven't hanged out with and hung out, hung out with in weeks. Maybe sometimes even months. You know? Yeah. And it's years. Just, <laughs> uh, not years, but yeah. Me, yeah. yeah. Oof. <laughs> Anyways, um, yeah, when I was, uh, yeah, so when I left Spain, I, like, dropped, like, I'm going to drop. That's a bad word. I stopped all that. And I was like, I'm not going to. Well, you dropped the streaks. Yeah, well, yeah, I dropped the streaks. And I cut, I, I didn't say, I wouldn't say I cut everyone out of my life, but by, by, that was another really important thing that I went through. By dropping all the streaks, I saw who was my true friend by them then reaching out after the streak is, or checking you, up on me. It's really funny when you stop texting people first. Then you realize, like, how quiet your phone can get. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's the, yeah. That's it's like, I haven't at. talked to a lot of people in a long time because I stopped texting them first. Mm-hmm. It's like, my mom always tells me sometimes, like, the person who cares, they're going to make that effort. Yeah. The person exactly. who truly cares mm-hmm. is going to make that effort. Mm-hmm. So anyways. <laughs> if they don't just... care, they're not going to bother. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, I think you should ask yourself, like, do I care enough to continue? Mm-hmm. And to me, what I've applied and the vast majority of situations is um if someone doesn't necessarily care to kind of communicate with me or to want to spend time with me i don't want to spend time with them but also you can like think about that as like caring or the maintaining of a friendship is you know it goes both ways if i feel like you don't care to communicate if i feel like you don't care to talk to me i'm not going to talk to you so like they could feel like you don't care while you feel like they don't care. Mm-hmm. Then all of a sudden you're at a fucking standstill. Which I guess can be made clear, you know, an impasse. You can be made clear by just fucking asking or by finally seeing them and just having an honest conversation about your lives and the positions that you are. In your own lives. So it's, like, so it's like, I know I said we haven't really been talking as much anymore. We're not as close as we used to be. Mm-hmm. But like, so tell me about that. Like, be, be real with me. For, like, honestly, I don't want to waste this time that we have together. It's like, are you busy? Like, are you going in a different direction? Do you not really see me anymore as part of your life? Or as 
something that you want to keep around, that you see. Hmm. I was about to say that you see as like a benefit to you, but that might be, that's the wrong way to go about it. I don't want to ever like, I want people to benefit me. I don't want to have like, just, I, I wanted to say pointless relationship with someone, but I feel like it's easy to make that sound selfish. It's like, I don't really want to be with you if you don't benefit me in a way. But what does that mean to benefit? I want to feel cared for. I want to feel appreciated. I want to feel listened to. I want to feel like, you know, like I'm important to you. And by you showing me these feelings, I'll reciprocate. It's like you talking to me, you opening up to me, us getting closer. I'm going to do it. I'm going to open up to you too. So I guess I've lost a lot of friendships and I've lost a lot of acquaintances and relationships with people who I just kind of failed to communicate with and to have just like a truthful talk about how we feel about each other. What would you say about that? Yeah. I feel like you said that pretty well. I agree. That's. I feel like that's what happened with me when I was in Spain. Well, I also wanted to... Well, because earlier you mentioned that we might be... We are influenced by the people closest to us. So when you went to Spain, you were on your own. You met completely new people. Yeah, that's what I was trying to get. <laughs> so when you were influenced by us, when you were close to us, and then when you were alone for a bit, how were you influenced by the new people that you met? Yeah. So when I dropped a lot of people, not drop, you know what I mean? <laughs> I would say I definitely, I stopped talking to them on a daily basis and I started interacting with these new people that come from completely different backgrounds from me, from different places in the world on a daily basis. Yeah. And we were friends and hung out, went out together, went to class together. And honestly, I feel like that, back to what we were saying that, that made me listen to them and see where they come from and see what they believe and how they got there. And that made me look at myself and see what I hold value and whatnot and help me grow as a person. Mm -hmm. Back to the whole idea we were talking about when you have these opinions and you're, you know, this is what I believe in and whatnot. And I would say help me grow in that aspect to find out who I am as a person. And I would say they influenced me by, I definitely picked up some of their habits where we would all very much push ourselves like, let's go explore and take as much as we can of this time period and country as we can. So I would say that's why, that was another initiative why every weekend I was traveling to another place, whether it was alone or with someone. And I've, I, yeah, I feel like, it, and I came back and I feel like I'm trying to, I'm struggling to keep those values that I promised myself I wouldn't lose when I was abroad. What's that? I would say my my family is something that I, I mean, I've always loved my family, obviously, but I would say 
before I left to Spain, I didn't really understand the value they they held in my life. And when I came back, I promised myself that I would every week go home and and talk and you know go with my parents. And what didn't you understand about their value? I didn't. I didn't. I didn't understand how much their connection with me I I valued so much. You know how important it was to talk to my mom and dad on a regular basis because I would say you know sophomore year and junior year I was very much in the mindset oh I'm busy over here doing studying and doing whatnot so I would only go home maybe once a month or once every three weeks and that led to me not seeing them or talking to them as much yeah and it wasn't until I was gone and completely gone that I couldn't go and see them that I really learned and valued how much they meant to me yeah and how much like I'm grateful for where I am because of them yeah and I promised myself I would try as much as I can to spend as much time as I, as I can with them because I don't, I don't like saying it, but one day they're not going to be there. No. They're going to, no, especially no. as I'm about to turn 22 in three days. Like Two days. Two days. <laughs> I only like have a few years left with them. I mean, that sounds, not a few years, I but you know what I mean. a few years, but everybody gets older, bro. Mm-hmm. And... And with yeah, that, yeah, I like remember one day we're going to wake up and we're going to be yeah. 62. And mm-hmm. Like I would be in these countries and be living these amazing experiences, but I would be alone, which was good in one in the aspect that I learned a lot about myself and progress and my confidence to be alone and do my things. But yeah. I really wish I could have shared these experiences with people that I hold c- closely to myself and yeah. love, like my yeah. family and parents. And... And I, I want to do that. That's why coming back, I like talk to my sister and we're, I mean, my parent, our family has never had, you know, like, you know, how people have typically have like, you know, like, oh, I'm going on a family vacation, going to the lake or something or something like that. Okay. You know, like a family vacation. Yeah. Like I've never had a family vacation with my parents. We've gone to Mexico together as a family, but that's because we go visit like our, you know, our grandparents, but it's not like, oh, we're going to like New York going, to yeah. spend a week there. Yeah. on vacation we've never had anything like that and it's mostly because our financial situation my parents work and whatnot they just can't leave their job so busy yeah and i've set myself a goal that this summer after i graduate we're gonna go to italy because you're gonna take your parents to italy we're gonna go to italy like it's gonna happen hell yeah it's gonna happen that's awesome and that's great to hear yeah and i want to keep those values like Becca was saying that i'm struggling to keep them and value of holding close these people that actually did reach out to me my true friends you know and and showing them i guess showing back the care and compassion that they showed for me especially like to the time period i went through when i was abroad that i went through like a breakup and whatnot <laughs> and like that was when my true true friends really did show who they were and they helped me out a lot and yeah right <laughs> <laughs> um so keeping that relationship and just keeping the, uh, the mindset that I had where, you know, of keep growing and pers- pushing myself to become a better version of myself, of yeah. being somebody. Be somebody. And keep keeping those values. But, I mean, just United States, different world, man. It's very hard, I would say, to keep that. Well, it's difficult for you to readjust to yeah, American life. It is. And after seeing so much, um, mm-hmm. so many stark differences in culture and in... Gosh, that's kind of scared me. Like, <laughs> sound outside the room. Um, 
What? Okay, hold on. So, yeah, scrap that thought that I was kind of going on. But you had mentioned that you didn't want to lose important values that you had learned abroad. One of them was your family, what they mean to you. What else? Besides learning to be your own person or to take care of. And say my friends also, like I said. To nurture the relationship with your mm-hmm. friends as well. Your true friends. People who care about you day to day. And I would say, I would say since I was in, I mean, probably like a sophomore in high school, when I was like very much indulged in the idea of, you know, being a filmmaker, you know, I would go on YouTube and see like all these people like Sam Colder and whatnot, like these, you know, like filmmakers, I would go and travel and capture the world. And ever since I was in, I was like, oh, I want to travel and see the world. And this, and this, when I went to Spain, that's when I really, I guess, lived that dream. I checked that off my bucket list where I traveled and experienced so much that I... You saw Europe. Yeah. Europe. Europe. Mm-hmm. You, saw but like, you saw Europe. Myself being in New Mexico and only really going to Mexico to visit my family and back, like, that's... I've never traveled kind of the rest of my... Like, that's all I've done. It was kind of like... You and we went to Denver that one time. Yeah. Five hours away. Yeah. <laughs> and then I went to... And I go visit my sister occasionally in Phoenix because she lives there. Mm-hmm. But that's... that's I've And I've never gone on family vacations that's or anything. That's you've traveled. Yeah. So, like, this was the first time where I really so traveled. It kind, of, it kind of felt like you saw the world. It did. It really did feel like yeah. I saw the world. Yeah. But it was only Europe. And it just, like, it just changed my my life completely and my mindset and what I hold dearly and just, yeah. it just changed everything. Cause How, I mean, however cliche it sounds at, you know, oh, I'm, like, oh, yeah, changed like, my okay, life. I, yeah, I went to... Morocco I'm and I came new back person a new now. person. Yeah, like, <laughs> yeah. however Jesus sounds like, it's 100% it's like, true. It's like, it is. Mm-hmm. It really is because you just brought in your perspective and it's so exhilarating to me mm-hmm. to think about all that is out there. Mm-hmm. All the people, all the food, all the culture, the music, just the differences in just like the aspects of day-to-day life that I'm used to mm-hmm. living here as an American citizen. And then just like going abroad and seeing how other people live. Yeah. I really want to see it. And it's just, oh man. I would say it's very much. It fills me with joy. Yeah. And back to what I was saying of coming back. Like, I feel like I got that feeling of happiness. And when I was doing all that, and I genuinely felt very happy in that moment of time. And I want to reflect i want to continue that happiness but in the aspect of my career and you know filmmaking and whatnot i want to feel that same way in my you know in my career like once i graduate and that's why coming back i'm trying to really focus that that's what matters like nothing else really matters and other than my family friends and being happy in my career yeah yeah Yeah, nothing else really matters other than that professional personal fulfillment taking care of Mm -hmm. the meaningful relationships um yeah i would agree with you on that as well there's just no time for you know pettiness or yeah there's no time for any of this people being toxic or negative or abusive or Mm -hmm. anything at all that you feel brings you down, makes you feel unhappy. Exactly. Yeah, I'm just trying to turn my focus into mm. seeing everything in a 
graceful life, mm. positive and, life. And that adds back to what I was saying that we're, I mean, I'm 20, I'm about to turn 22. You're also going to turn 22 in June. In June, this summer. Like life's too short, man. Well, next summer. Life's too short to not do these things that make you happy. Yeah. That's why you shouldn't focus on all this quote unquote, you know, like bullshit. Like none of it's worth it. Other yeah. than being yourself, being yeah. happy, yeah. following your dreams. Do what you like to do. Like you, what, you only live like one what life. You like. Why would you waste it? Just Don't waste it living someone yeah, else's life. Exactly. Don't waste it comparing yourself to other people. Don't waste it being unhappy. Mm-hmm. I understand like if you have... Well, I mean, that goes into differences, you know, mental health or mm-hmm. being kind of physically incapable of feeling positive or happy things mm-hmm. because of just like um a deficiency in your brain chemistry that's something that you can't control yeah um but for the most part for um people without you know a clinical diagnosis of depression or of um anxiety or things like that um two things there are only like two things that you can control and yeah, two things that you can control your attitude and what thoughts you act on. Sometimes I can't control the things that I think, but I can control how I feel about something and I can control what I, you know, the thing that, what I just said, like what I think about and how I act on that thought. Mm-hmm. So, I choose to be positive. I choose to be a good listener. Try to develop my listening ability. I choose to be someone who would be a good friend. Yeah. And I also choose to be good to myself. Mm-hmm. I want to talk to myself in the way that I would talk to somebody that I love. That I... Yeah. Unconditional love for oneself. For thyself. <laughs> <laughs> it's just it's it's something that I want to it's just what I strive for mm-hmm. and to set personal goals and to not be so I the reason why I have a problem with someone saying like I can always do better is that I don't want you to like always be expecting something better whenever you do something because that's that's also just hard on how you feel about things so you set goals for yourself you meet those goals and then you make another goal that exceeds that original goal but you feel good about having achieved the original goal in the first place you know you treat yourself not through the material not through something that's going to damage your health like for example like I don't know blacking the fuck out or (laughs) yeah you don't, that's not treating yourself. Mm-hmm. You're like, I did this. I feel good about it. I'm like, check it out. Mm-hmm. I'm like, I'm going to do something else tomorrow. And it's going to be a little bit different. And I'm just going to continue to grow and yeah. help others around me grow as well. Grow together. And for that, that's episode three, right? Yeah. That's a wrap. Mm-hmm. All right, be somebody billions. My name is Amadeo. Well, let's go, let's go back. <laughs> uh, make sure to uh, that we're live on all platforms. Yes, 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 yes. Yeah, we're live on all major streaming platforms. That's Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and YouTube. Mm-hmm. 
mm-hmm. where you're able to see our faces. Mm-hmm. We also have an Instagram. We have an Instagram as well. Our handle is Be Somebody Billions. Ready? Yeah. All right. My name is Amadeo. <laughs> my name is Enrique. This was the Be Somebody podcast. Thank you for so much. Ugh, thank you so much for tuning in. Enjoy your day.